going on, everybody? Welcome back to Dear Culture, the podcast for, by, and about Black culture here on the Griot Black Podcast Network. I'm your host, Panama Jackson, and it's June. It's Black Music Month. So what we've been doing all month long and will continue to do is talk about Black music. And today's episode will be no different. We're going to be talking about one of the albums that came out that was one of the most anticipated albums of the year and maybe even knocked one of the other album of the year contenders right off of his pedestal. I'm talking about none other than Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I come from a generation of pain will murder his minor. Rebellious and more jealous a trip you for designer. Belt and I couldn't think of anybody better to have this conversation with than one of my best friends, one of my favorite music writers, music journalists, somebody whose opinion on music I actually genuinely value and respect. Your uh like you know how people have like in quotations on their like Twitter handles, like yours should be like, I wrote that. As like your 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 Twitter <laughs> handle, because <laughs> you literally everywhere. But let me I'm a, I gotta read this bio like this is amazing. So Shamir Ibrahim is a Brooklyn based culture writer by way of Harlem, Canada, and East Africa who explores identity, cultural production, and technology via a race critical code framework as a critic, reporter, feature profile writer, and essayist with a particular emphasis on francophone accessibility in the anglophone black diaspora yo that's got to be what you said in the schools and places when you do your talks that has to be what you said to people right we are here to talk today though about kendrick lamar's latest album mr morale and the big steppers an album i gotta be honest i really like this album now you culture critic person who obviously probably listened to this album date the day it came out because the conversations were going to be flying around for what, how many times have you listened to this album so far? Because I know people who are like, I can't listen to that album. Like, I just can't do it. It's too, it's too heavy. It's too whatever. Like, how many times have you listened to it at this point? I've probably spun it like nine to ten times. I generally have to give it a good three to five listens to even really have a cogent opinion anyway. Um, so I've probably given it a good nine to ten spins, like in, okay. in accumulation. Yeah. All right. I, I want to start a little bit more globally than just the album specifically, but, mm-hmm. you know, album, I mean, uh, Kendrick releases an album everybody's waiting for. As soon as Kendrick announces an album's coming out, it becomes like the highly anticipated album, right? It becomes right. the album we're all looking forward to hearing, like, mm-hmm. which is interesting because Kendrick is a bit of a recluse, right? Like he's really not in the picture very much. Like he kind of hops in, hops out on occasion, but like, why do you think Kendrick is the most anticipated well i'm not gonna say he's the most but one of the more anticipated artists whenever an album's coming out like why why is that i mean i feel like like the idea that him being a recluse kind of adds to the mystique of like the creative genius right you know what i mean like j cole does the same thing as well right j cole does the whole i'm not in the picture right kendrick is a little bit more like i'm gonna sit with my wife and kids and 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 be thinking, but they're both in the whole, like, I don't be reading a lot, but I be thinking a lot kind of cabal with people. Right? I um, knew you was going to come up. <laughs> like, I love it. I'm not, and I'm not saying that for the record, like, I'm not saying that even as necessarily a bad thing, right? I actually right. think that, like, with rap and art, right, like, while I do think all art is political, I also think that it also is just a reflection of our time, right? So I think that while we art is inherently political it does not have to be politically informed if that makes sense right so it can just be a reflection of their present minds and thoughts i can fervently disagree with their present minds and thoughts right but i also think there's some value in them just sharing 
what they are seeing and perceiving and that being political in and of itself, right? Um, it doesn't have to be politically right. aligned as opposed to just a contextualization of what their lives are, right? Um, so with that all said, um, you know, I think that the reality is Kendrick got a Pulitzer, right? His work became like elevated to this idea of him being the truth teller of the black experience, right? He went to South Africa, his entire life changed, right? You know, once he kind of reached that echelon, right? And he became embraced by the mainstream as someone who was the unifier of the black voice. Once his music became the sound of the American protest movement, right? That kind of changed everything for him, right? It changed not just TE, which was already kind of already a mainstream um, label, even though, of course, it operates as an indie kind of subsect. Um, It kind of changed where he sat as a platform, right? Um, Where he sat as someone who was getting licensed for um, morning TV shows and morning programs as exit music for Good Morning America, right? You know, that I Love Myself song was everywhere, right? It was. I could not it escape was. that, right? <laughs> like, you know, all right was everywhere, right? We gonna be all right. Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gonna be all right. We gonna be all right. Huh? We gonna be all right. You know, um, whether it was kids singing it, whether it was grown ups singing it, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, white people putting it on t-shirts for the lyrics, right? You know, that kind of really transformed his trajectory. So it was everyone feeling that they could kind of identify with a piece of his music, um, no matter what their entry point to him was, right? So you could have entered at Section 80, where he was still KDOT. You could have entered at, you know, damn, right? And those are two very different Kendricks, right? But, they really um, are. You know, <laughs> that was kind of why it's not really a surprise that this was like very much an anticipated project for him after many years, you know? In that respect, it's kind of like how Andre is going to always be a hotly anticipated album, right? Even though they're different artists, they kind of serve a similar purpose in the canon of artistry, right? People have established a mythos about who they are and what they serve to the canon of hip hop, um, especially as um, white fans kind of became injected into into the conversation. And the second Andre decides to do something, it's going to get a million spins. Right. You know, what's interesting is like, so I went to read the, the Pulitzer thing and this is what it says about Damn, which is the album Kendrick won a mm-hmm. Pulitzer for. Recording released April 14th, 2017, a virtuosic song collection unified by its vernacular authenticity and rhythmic dynamism that offers affecting vignettes capturing the complexity of modern African-American life. Which is funny to me because I don't really actually think Damn does that. Like, I actually feel like like Good Kid, Mad City does that more. This new album probably does that more than Damn does, which I enjoy. But it's just, it's so interesting because... Like Kendrick has become like in my in my reading of this, Kendrick has become like an academic exercise for everybody. Like that's that's a lot of what I hear you talking about is kind of where we have placed him in society. Like he has a societal context now. Right. Like he's been Mm -hmm. all of his albums have been dissected by the podcast dissect. There are two books about him right now. Um, Miles Marshall Lewis has promised that you will sing about me. And Marcus Moore has the butterfly effect how Kendrick Lamar ignited the soul of, of Black America. Like, there are people are digging into Kendrick in a way that turns everything that he writes into this larger thing. Like, his sentences are broken down now. And mm-hmm. 
you know, like, I think that's so interesting because I'm kind of usually anti, like, over-academicizing, making overly academic hip-hop. I don't know how to say that word. I don't know how the right word is. But, you know, he's kind of been put in that space like with, like, the Tupacs of the world, like Tupac and mm-hmm. Jay and all these people, hip-hop-wise. I kind of wonder if, like, that has that has made it so that we think too much about the, what Kendrick brings. Like, this is going to sound this is going to sound crazy because I actually think he belongs here. But I also wonder, like, have we turned too much pressure onto him as being the voice of like whatever it is that he's supposed to represent society? Like, does Kendrick even want this this spot? Because I kind of think this album kind of speaks a little bit to that. So I think <laughs> this album is him claiming two things, right? Which is him claiming that, you know, he can only save himself and all of these things, right? There's two conversations happening, right? There's the musical conversation and there's a cultural conversation, right? right? And then there's a kind of um, the greater kind of racial discord and everything in white supremacy, right? Um, I think musically, right, Kendrick is always pushing himself to wanting to be the best, right? And that's like an ego thing that he's always had, right? We've heard the control verse, right? We've heard all of these things, but that's like general rapper, ego, egotistical, you know, chest thumping, you know, always wanting to chin check each other and wanting to be the greatest. I don't think that's anything that's untoward um, that any rapper does, right? Any rapper is going to say, I'm the greatest. I'm going to be the one that you guys are always going to want to be like, right? right? I'm always going to want to push myself to have better flows. Exactly, right? right? And he's always checking himself to do new flows, new ways to place the flows in different pockets, right? He's always doing that. He's always spitting. No one can ever dispute that, right? So there's one level of that, right? Of him wanting to kind of always show that, you know, Kung Fu Kenny is always here, right? You know, um, so there's that kind of part of the conversation. Then there's the cultural conversation of the discourse, right? Where I think gets a little bit disingenuous um, with how people say what he wants or doesn't want. Because the fact of the matter is he removes himself from the conversation, right? And so when you put out art, right, and you want it to be consumed, one, you don't have, you know, any sort of actual ownership as to how it gets consumed unless you choose to do press saying this is what i want it to me right you know and he chooses not to right and that's his right right he chooses you know he chooses not to go out and do press saying you know i wanted to do this story and i wanted to mean this and this is what i was trying to go for so once you choose to release it to the world and default to how your fan base right interprets it as abc then really it's for the masses to then become the default interpretation Right. And we can have all the cultural curators and cultural critics have the more nuanced, refined, you know, erudite, you know, analyses with all the verse and stanza breakdowns that they want. Right. But if your default fan base engages with it in one way, they become the avatar of how your art is received. Right. And if you don't choose to engage with that, either to amplify or rebuke it, then that becomes the control, right? Um, And that becomes what people have to engage with or against. And I think that is one other part of the conversation about what you want your art to mean versus what your art starts to represent for your fan base. And I think that's one thing that a lot of Kendrick's fans from a scholarly standpoint who defend some things that some critics, you know, kind of come up against tend to overlook, right? About what his art, ends up representing to some people versus what it is. It's a, it's a similar issue for J. Cole, right? About, you know, what J. Cole oh, fans absolutely. feel about his art 
um, versus what J. Cole wants it to be, all these other things, right? Um, and the third thing really ultimately being, uh, you know, how the industry ultimately works, right? The industry across the board tends to put people into boxes, right? So you need the street rapper, you need the conscious rapper, you need the pop rapper, you need the XYZ rapper, right? And so at some point, Kendrick got firmly put into I am the conscious rapper, right? Who is also like rapping my ass off or whatever, right? And like Kendrick is like really trying to at different ways find ways to push up against that because the idea of a conscious rapper kind of is like a silly concept at this point, right? You know, in 2022, right? Like I think that kind of went the way of, I don't know, like the iPod touch. Like I just, I, I feel like that kind of label is a little bit ridiculous at this point, right? Um, but, you know, I think in his way, he's trying to move away from that and say, I'm just myself. And if you are with that, great. If you're not with that, then also great. But the reality of the matter is that you have a fan base and you have a following, right? So, like, you are still seeking for people to engage with you and see you as something that they want to engage with right so right. there's like a little bit of a sleight of hand there where you're like yeah don't buy into the cult of kendrick but also i mean you want people to buy into the cult of four hundred thousand sales a week right like you know right. what i mean so like i get it but i also it, there's a, a little bit of like all right like i buy it and i get what you're trying to say but you're also still wanting Listen, people to all buy into the message, you know. We're gonna get it, we're, and we're gonna get it into exactly that. You led perfectly, segue perfectly into what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna take a real quick break here, dear culture, and then we're gonna jump into the actual album, Kendrick Lamar's "Mr. Morale" and the Big Steppers here on Dear Culture, where I'm joined by Shamir Ibrahim. Stay tuned. We're back here on Dear Culture, where I'm talking with Shamir Ibrahim about Kendrick Lamar's latest album, his fifth studio album, though, if you start counting all the albums that he actually has, who knows, there's mixtapes and all kind of stuff. Um, and you started talking before the break. We were talking more globally about Kendrick's career and who he is before the break. But then you started mentioning like what, like the, the narrative that the masses kind of build based on their own, because Kendrick doesn't really give you much to work with. Like, he puts something out there, you got to run with it. So let me ask mm -hmm. you straight up, on this album, what do you think he was trying to do, and did he actually do it? Because it's kind of on us to figure that part of it out. Like, to me, it's an album about his personal life and how he basically had to go through some things to get where he's at. Uh, he learned a lot of lessons along the way, had to go to some therapy, almost tanked his relationship, apparently, but maybe they're OK. There's a lot of discussion about that on social media, like and, and, and there's specific songs we're going to get to. But like in a general sense, like, do you think he achieved what he was trying to, especially since we kind of got to make the narrative up ourselves on what he was doing? Right. Um. So I think. The general narrative is kind of straightforward, right? Um, well, I don't want to say straightforward as in like it's an easy story. I don't want that's right. that that would be oversimplifying it, and and I don't want to be unfair to him over something that you can clearly see he put thought towards, right? right. You know, um, but it's kind of supposed to be charting a journey of like what has Kendrick been up to 
over the last couple of years, right? Um, and it's kind of clear that he's been supposed to have been working on himself, right? Intoxicated, there's a lustful nature that I failed to mention. Insecurities that I project sleeping with other women. When he's hurt, the pure soul I know. I found her in the kitchen, asking God, where did I lose myself? And can it be for He has taken a seat, reflected on his journey, you know, gone to therapy, unpacked some things that he has not realized about himself in the last few decades. Um, uh, come to terms with some uh, unhealed trauma that he hadn't really uh, acknowledged in quite some time. And then kind of extrapolated that into um, some things he has, you know, realized both in his family as well as in the greater hip hop community, right? And it's kind of made him realize, interact with the rap world and the hip hop industry a little bit differently. But while he's trying to do that and trying to deliver that message, He's also saying, like, I'm putting this out there, but at the end of the day, you know, I can't be the savior of everything, right? I can only really save myself before I try to extend this to everybody else. The funny thing about it, though, is that it's kind of embedded in this narrative where he's still inherently having the savior complex, right? And I say that yes. because, like, the big through line of it is, like, you know, having Kodak Black as like the big stepper, right? You know what I mean? As all the all the way through it, right? Can't let him follow this night to the house. I wish I could stop thugging for real. Need a screech without me being killed. For so long, I've been going on drills, drinking that. The generous reading of it, of course, that I'll give here, you know, despite my very, I don't know if, if anybody would know me and how I would feel about someone like Kodak Black, I think it would be quite obvious that I am not a fan, right? Um, as someone who has been Incredibly accused several times of sexual assault and has recently pled guilty to right. sexual assault, right? Um, uh, and consistently, you know, gets put on features. Um, he recently was put on a, a title playlist that was curated by Jay Z, right? So this is not a thing that he is like being shunned by the greater community. So I don't want to pretend this is a thing that just Kendrick is doing, right? Um, but uh, he is heavily featured in this, right? Um, and the, re the thing that Kendrick is trying to imply, right, and, you know, it's pretty obvious is that, you know, when he gets to his final set of songs, he's like, you know, Black men specifically, right, are kind of like these walking wounds of accumulating pain and trauma, unaddressed, unclaimed, right, with no one really giving them resources to, to handle it. And we're just, you know, dealing with it in this excess and consumption and all of these kind of gestures of hyper-masculinity, as opposed to really actually confronting our pain and really absolving ourselves. And here I am to offer you, offer you absolution and giving you the chance to start again, right? Which is of course the ultimate savior complex, right? But the irony of that all <laughs> is that, first of all, that's not in any sort of version, whether it be religious, legal, or ethical, how absolution works, right? You know. Right. Um, Absolution inherently implies that you, as a person, go before whether it be your version of a god, whether it be your version of a legal authority, or the person you transgressed upon, and you know confess your sin or confess your version of whatever you infringed upon, and admit that I wronged you, and then right. work towards moving forward. Right? Um, that is not something that Kodak has at any point done. Right? Um, most recently, being you know 
Lotto's team um, strongly suggesting that uh, Kodak has, uh, you know, violated her and Kodak's team strongly going, <laughs> pressing back. Actually, it was Kodak's team that, you know, hollered first, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. Um, you know so, more about Kodak uh, Black's transgressions than I do, clearly, because I don't even know about that. But I just happened to have, I just happened to have reviewed Lotto's album recently. Um, but uh, um, these sorts of things that like, continue to be infringements, right? Um, and so it's like, how do we elaborate on this conversation? And I don't want to make, you know, Kendrick's album specifically about Kodak, but it's like, you picked, you picked this person, right? And you specifically it's picked looming. this person because you wanted, you wanted to pick the most irredeemable, right? And, you know, you specifically wanted to pick it because black men and black people are viewed as irredeemable, right? Like the framing is clear and intentional, but it's like, yo, you picked the wrong person, right? You know? Um, and it's like, when you pick the wrong person for this, right, it can, makes, it takes away, it shifts the focus of the argument away from the point you're trying to make. It turns it into a debate, right? Um, as opposed hold on, hold to, on. It's mm-hmm. interesting. It's interesting that you, I, I believe everything Kendrick does is intentional. Mm-hmm. The thought that you are giving it that he literally went out of his way to pick somebody who basically has been viewed in this sense. Like, I swear, mm-hmm. I generally think like some of these dudes just like these folks and they're like, you know what? I like Kodak Black and that's a black man with a story. Let me go ahead and throw him in here because, you know, what people saying that he isn't like like the thought process. behind. I think we will come to the same place. But the thought process that you're giving Kendrick credit for. Like, man, mm-hmm. that really is generous. Like, I really like that. I, I know we always see he's very intentional, but I'm almost like, man, hey, you getting a bad rap. They're trying to cancel you, bro. Like, they saying you can't. Yeah, I'm like, literally right. they, trying yeah. to give him the most generous reading ever. You really Someone are. who is operating in, you know, he operates in both Christian and, you know, um, Hotepian dogma, right? You know what I mean? So I'm really trying to give him grace in, in both, right? You know, and saying, in both of them, they look at, you know, uh, absolution and all of these things, but it's a misapplication, right? I think, you know, these are conversations yes. that people have around people like Joe Budden, people like, you know, so many other, so many other individuals who they always say, don't you believe in restoring, restorative justice? Don't you believe in any of these things? I'm like, yeah, they haven't done the prerequisites for that, right? You know, so do I believe that Black men are existing with all the trauma in the world and they haven't addressed it? And that we would be much better off if we worked on that. And that is a form of gendered violence that we need to embrace. Absolutely. And I think it's valid for Kendrick to explore that and explore that through his own personal journey. Do I believe that it is very telling that that is happening while the people who are on the other side of that for specific cases are black women, right? You know, like... That conversation is, you know, the part where it's like, oh, are we just going to yada, yada, yada that part, right? You know, now that part in the story, I don't want to overshadow the fact that, you know, I don't think that Kendrick is a moral authority, right? You know, he picked the structure. We treat him like one on occasion. We treat these people like moral authorities, but yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely. He picked the conversation he picked, but what what ends up happening is that it it overshadows the the nuance of the of the of the 
of the album because it does become like a glaring red light, right? To um, really consume it, you know, casually. I think about it in the context of I just watched the XXX Tentacion documentary, right? Right. And it's like, you know, they go through the conversation around, you know, all the mental health uh, issues he has and all these things, all things I believe, right? I do believe he clearly struggles with mental health issues. I do believe he clearly just was failed at a very young age and didn't have a chance to really um, have the proper environment to even have a chance to succeed and get the help he needed well before, um, you know, the worst of him kind of came to fruit, right? And came to bear fruit. That said, accountability for violence is accountability for violence, right? And all the conversations that are being had around him and all the things he worked towards redemption still don't come to terms with the fact that he took accountability for the violence he had publicly, right? And these things have to be had in concert, right? And so that's kind of what happens when we kind of talk around all of that. Um, And that said, you know, it's not like this album was a redemption for Kodak album. I don't want it to make it sound like that, right? But when we do kind of do these nuanced conversations, that's why it becomes a conversation around how your fans receive it versus your intention, right? Because it makes a song like Auntie Diaries, which is a very complicated song, right? And I think a very intentional. That's where I wanted to go next. Song. So let's go ahead. Monty is a man now. I think I'm old enough to understand now. Drinking Parmesan with her hat turned backwards. Motorola page off white guest jacket. I think trying to discuss very different things, right? You know, um, Kendrick's journey of, with his family um, on different, you know, with two different, uh, two different um, people in his family, right? Uh, uh, on multiple, over multiple verses. And then it kind of gets uh, diluted on multiple levels, right? One, because of the shock value of trying to discuss the use of slurs, right? Um, both at the beginning right. and the end of the song, right? Um, and then equ- and then equivocating the use of slurs in the queer community versus the use of interracial slurs, right? Which then just like already raises an ongoing conversation that continues to rear its ugly head about, you know, uh, positioning the LGBTQ community against, you know, as if it's like against yes. racial uh, conversations, yeah. right? There, there's that. And there's also just the intentional shock value of using those slurs, right? Now, are people going to go ahead and create a petition to go ahead and cancel Kendrick, whatever canceling means to people these days, right? Which is like a useless term at this point. Um, no, right? I mean, there might be one or two because people get bored, right? But not anything of value or substance, right? But is it telling to me that um, I know personally, and I already saw, but I knew before it was ever going to happen that if a Black queer person tweeted, this is frustrating to me that he would do this just to make a point, even though I appreciate the song, that Kendrick's fans would tell them to shut up, right? Um, yeah, I think it's frustrating that I knew that, you know, people would say that. And that's what happened, right? I saw tweets being like, oh, you know, Kendrick did the most progressive song about black community and queerness and rap ever, right? You know, and you y'all can't be happy. And it's like, who's y'all? Like, who is this for, right? You know, who has to yeah. be grateful for this? And it speaks to who the song is serving and who the audience is. And I think it's valid that we have a conversation within the, you know, heterosexual community about how we engage with queerness, right? 
But then it's not a song for queer people. It's a song for, you know, the heterosexual community about how we engage with queer. I was going to say just that. That's the whole thing right there. Like, who is this song for? And like, because so I've had a million conversations with people about this song, right? And mm-hmm. some people are like, look, I get what he's trying to do. I see the intention. Like, it might be messy, but he's trying. This is how black men grow, right? Like, this is like a, mm-hmm. the progression of growth. Like, you know, you're going to, mm-hmm. I, I learned the term dead name. I'd never heard that term before until right. I started reading yeah, yeah, um, yeah. like like mm-hmm. like stuff about this. Like, I, I didn't know, I didn't know right. that. So there are lots of things. Right. Like, and I consider myself somebody who is, actively trying to be better but i'm still learning a lot right. a lot a lot of stuff too so right, i hear the song right. and i'm like i get it i was like but i know something's off here <laughs> right. so then it's like right. who who is this song supposed to be is it for people like is it for people are the people who this could be most beneficial to the folks who literally need the most i guess growth in that sense are they ever going to hear it anyway is that mm-hmm. even kendrick's audience like who in the world mm-hmm. is going to actually hear this song and gain from it because what it sounds like is most of Kendrick's audience, interestingly, is people who probably know that the way that this landed has problems. Right. Like, the funny sense. thing is that, yeah, the funny thing is that the way he ended the song, right, and people are like, oh, well, that's the whole point. But I'm like, but well, we wouldn't appreciate if Jack Harlow did the exact same song about his journey to becoming, you know, enlightened about hip hop, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. Or enlightened about racial relations, right? You know, and I'm not saying that to say that that makes it, you know, that means that his entire song is invalid, right? But, you know, like, uh, like Jack Harlow just like dropping, you know, and bombs repeatedly and being like, we didn't know better, right? Even though we all know, or if you guys don't know, right. I'm sorry, 95% of these white people who listen to rap are definitely saying it in the privacy of their apartments or homes or bedrooms or whatever, right? You know, that's not going to make it anything acceptable for me to engage with publicly in a song, right? You know, um, and that part of it all is not going to make it like, something that I want to engage with, have a conversation about, really dialogue over or say that there's something that I find value about because of the pain associated with that, right? Um, and so I think that distinction is something that people have to think about. Is it is there value in the art? Is there value in what it's doing? And it's a, it's a consistent issue I have with Kendrick and not just about the... Um, the harm of what is happening here but also i think that kendrick in general and it's not just here but in other albums i think he gets rewarded or lauded merely for the kind of fact of engaging with the topic or attempting to engage and expand on the topic matter whether or not it lands like he gets rewarded for taking the swing right and i think there's something some merit to that because the fact of being a, a mainstream artist and being willing to take risks or and being rewarded for taking risks when so much of hip hop can be so formulaic at times on a mainstream level. There's something to be said about that that's a little bit exciting, right? But we it's okay to say when something is a swing and a miss and it doesn't land, right? And that we enjoy it because he's technically proficient, but the execution just was not there, right? That doesn't make right. it any less of an artist that doesn't necessarily make him a bad person but it means he could have tried better and he could have tried again and i think there's a reluctance to say that as if it's going to mean that you're less of a fan right um and 
it's okay. Like you can clearly see the thrust of what he was trying to get to. You can clearly see the pain and what he was trying to engage with. But when you see songs that are really trying to engage with topics in really clumsy ways, but because of the fact that he is just so proficient at shaping a story because he is truly a storyteller and not many rappers are both just like really good at flows but also really good at telling stories from like top to bottom um that you can say okay it was a good story but this was just not really well executed as to like what he was actually trying to portray that people sometimes are really just hesitant to admit that and i'm like you can replay it all you want, you know, like that's just where I, I fall short. And I think that's something that happens to a lot of, of talented artists, right? Like I think it happens to Andre at times, right? I think it happens to a lot of like top tier rappers who like, we're talking like a matter of inches here, right? About the differentiations between their skill level and the fall off. Yeah. Speaking of like storytelling. So mother eye sober is like the other song on the record that I think, probably mm-hmm. gets the most discussion about just because of mm-hmm. what he's a- addressing um you know the how being asked if he had been sexually assaulted by i believe his uncle or his cousin i can't believe i can't off the top of my head but how right, that right. constant questioning impacted him and the things he saw with his mother like his mother being being like beaten for it's he is a great storyteller. And songs like this, like which clo- which is the, the penultimate song on the album, like really bring that part home. Cause it's like, so he's really good at this. Looking in the eyes, pain is taking over. Blame myself. You never felt guilt till you felt it sober. Like I will never forget, you know, uh sing about me like uh dying of thirst. Like that still stands out to me as like one of the greatest like storytelling, like rap songs ever, in my opinion. Right. So right, when I hear right. Mother Eye Sober, I'm like, this is this is amazing. Like you can see what he's really good at doing and where this is kind of the thing that brings it all home on the album. Like this is where all of the rest of the stuff has come from and all the lessons that he's discussed on the album kind of show their face here. It's like this is the point of it all. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about like does that because to me, like I see what he's doing on Auntie Diaries. He did it to me on Mother Eye Sober. Right. Like I see what mm-hmm. he's trying to do. I don't know that he got it, but I but he did it to me on, on Mother Rock Sober, which I love. I can listen to on repeat, even though the subject matter is heavy. Like, where do you stand on that song and, and how he kind of brings the album almost close to an end with that song? Yeah, um, I think that the song is really bold. Right. Um, and I think the song is really ambitious. Um, I think the song tries to handle so many things, right? Yes. It handles it's like a Spike Lee movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, for real though, it really is, right? Like it handles the personal, it tries to handle um the cultural and societal, um, and tries to make it a little universal, right? Um and in that, you know, there's gonna be things that are gonna be done with a broad stroke, right? Um and so, you know, his experience with his family, his experience with uh his wife and his children, which we get introduced to in some way for the first time. By the way, is this going to be the new like black excellence thing where we give credits to like wife and kids by just like adding them on songs? Like, I just want to know, like, you know, that's I, awesome. I, I'm just wondering, you know, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just like, Oh, we're just doing this now. Right. Like, listen, um, I'm about to call but, my wife and kids up here right now, get them on this podcast just so I can be like, Hey man, I'm working on me. You know, listen, you know, I'm down with the gang, so I'm all good with it. Right. Um, of but, course. um, uh, <laughs> 
you know, but uh, I think there's there's so much that's interesting in here, right? Um, you know, I could, you know, like be uh, a little um, particular and like about the sex politics of it all, but it's not really worth it, right? I do think just like his perspective and his reflection over his time about like having empathy and understanding as to like what triggered his mom's reaction over the years, right? Um, uh, and, and getting a level of clarity over that was was uh, really ambitious and how he got there, um, you know, and and really realizing that there's a lot of there's a lot that accumulates somebody's perspective and there's a lot that um, involves somebody coming to their own conclusions as opposed to just you know one rash decision. Where I think the the, the interesting contradictions for the purpose of this album, right? to me is, is like, of course, like the, the closing tracks of the art of the, you know, um, of the album really are supposed to be about, you know, like how he can really only save himself. Right. Or how, uh, he can really only do so much. Right. Uh, on, um, on, you know, how freeing himself is, you know, like the count me out tracks and so on. Right. But, um, uh, at the end of the day, like when he talks about it, he talks about how he's releasing like children, he's releasing, you know, like all his family, he's releasing like doing all this transformative work, right? Um, and I think it speaks to like how he continues, right, to like um, talk about like all of these traumas, right, and all that kind of, um, you know, like wake work, which is like kind of looking at the pain of black people and saying that like, look to the past and take it. And like, I'm releasing us from that. Right. Um, and that delivery, right. Um, of engaging on that and taking that on for himself speaks to like how he still believes he has that. Right. And he still believes that's his intent to, um, release like, all of the listeners release all of everybody, but that's not how the work is done, right? You know, the work is not necessarily done by just like articulating, you know, what you know, and then saying like, let, like set forth and set three. If that was the right. way the work is done, I don't know why I'm paying my therapist a week, right? Like I would <laughs> right. really, really love to know because I'm a very intelligent person and still I can't figure my life out, right? Um, but uh, I think these are the sorts of nuances of like how, Kendrick both sets the burden on himself and then both demands himself to be freed of this burden, right? You know, um, and I think that's the kind of inherent tension that he lies within, right? That his fans um, both like uh, are not willing to like recognize, right? Because like, right. if his critics who uh, engage in his savior complex, right? And then demand that he serve a purpose politically, right? Um, like lean into his fans will look at the part where he's like, I'm not this, right? I am, you know, I'm, you know, Kung Fu Kenny from LA, right? Kung Fu Kenny from Compton. Um, and they're like, that's all he wants to talk about his life, right? He gives slices of life and they apply to the greater contracts, like how Spike Lee does in Brooklyn, right? But he doesn't just do that, right? He does invest in the greater construct of like racial trauma and gives us that investment. And he does willfully do that. And he has to embrace what that really means for him. And I think hopefully he takes the time over you know, the next album to come, whether that be five years from now or seven years from now to decide, right. okay, maybe I just need to decouple that even further, right? I don't right. think he needs to be a racial hero. 
He doesn't. He doesn't. All right. Before we go to break, this is all mm-hmm. great. This is all everything. You, you broke it down just like I thought you would. That's that's why you sent me the the professional bio, the one that has all the uh, all the big words. So hold on. I, oh but I have God. one question in one sentence. In one sentence. All right. How mad was Pusha T when Kendrick announced and dropped his album about the fact that everybody forgot Pusha T dropped the album as soon as Mr. Morale the Big Steppers dropped? I mean, Pusha T had to put himself through three hours of Nori streaming. So I think he was pretty, pretty disappointed. So I would say that. If you put yourself through drink chance promo, you know, and then everyone probably forgets, I would be pretty irritated. Facts. It was quite the promo run for that whole album, as a matter of fact. All right. We're going to take a real quick break here on Dear Culture, and we're going to come back with some Black Fashions, our Black Medation, and we're going to find out. We're going to let Shamira tell you where you can find all of her work, which is literally everywhere. Uh, but we'll be right back here on Dear Culture. All right, we're back here on Dear Culture, and we're going to do one of my favorite segments here where we get a chance to discover just how non-monolithic the Black community is. Because every time I have a guest on here and they come up with some Black fashion that makes me question all kinds of things about them, no matter how long I've known them. And it turns out today's going to be no different. So, Shamira, my friend, my homie, long time, been in my wedding, been in my house, ate my food, drank my wine. What is your Black fashion? So I thought I was gonna go with the predictable one at first and say that I can't place AIDS, which is true. So I went with a more egregious uh, cultural confession since I do write about music a lot. And I'm pretty sure by the time I say this, I will not be welcome um, in the state of Louisiana. So, <laughs> which is unfortunate because I actually really like going to Louisiana. Um, but uh, so I deserve it. Sad as it may be, I am, as much as I enjoy 400 Degrees, the album, I really do. <laughs> um, I am not the biggest fan of Juvie's Ha, the original or the remix. You got a lot of your bold dudes, huh? Some of your people, huh? You don't really want to mess with them clowns, huh? You come up with the clowns, huh? I have tried. Like, I really have tried. I have tried to get my NOLA people to be like, you just have to understand the vibe of it. It's just not there for me. And I love balance okay. music. I love uh, the production. I love, you know, Cash Money's production, obviously. It's just not, it's not hitting for me. Like, I just have, I've tried. Like, I really, really have. And so, it's not even about the fact that it's like, I don't know. I like offbeat things. I listen to Silk the Shocker. Like, I just don't know. Like, Listen, 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 listen. I'm going to be actually a little bit sympathetic to you. Number one, I think that's insane. But I I do love Ha. I don't I don't care for the remix. I thought Jay-Z on that. And I'm, I'm assuming talking about the Jay remix was trying too hard. He was trying to hop on a, a cultural yeah. wave that he saw coming. He did it terribly. One of the few times yeah. I was like, this is better without Jay-Z. But I yeah, could yeah, understand. It. It's bad. I, I could understand listening to that and not being from the South and not really like getting it because i feel like the mm-hmm. nation kind of caught on later now when I, yeah. I i still remember where i was when i saw the hot video for the first time it was mm-hmm. that substantial in my life like i saw that i was like i called people like yo this is crazy 
how dope this is. But this video looks like real poverty, y'all. Like they look really broke in this video, except for all the expensive cars they have. But like this sound was so unique to me. And I was already Mm -hmm. familiar with Juvenile. I was already familiar with like um, the whole like baby and cash money thing from down south because I'm from down south. I wasn't like it wasn't like in my it wasn't something I was super familiar with, but I'd heard of it before. So I can see how maybe that could be. Now, I don't understand how at this point you don't like it because that song still bangs. You throw that on anywhere. That joint just goes. Especially, how right. can you like that album and not like that song when that album? Because I, I, I enjoy Manny Fresh's production. You know what I mean? Like, I think Manny Fresh is like legitimately a good producer. I like bounce music. I just that song specifically is just not it for me. Like, that's the song that, of course, they're gonna play either that or like you know back that you know thing up yeah. or whatever, right? But yeah. like, it's just not. It's not it for me. But I am trying. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna be there. I'm not gonna be there with like you know like a scowl on if it comes on right but it, right. it's just not going to be the thing that gets me up out the seat now to be fair i am now of the age demo where you know even if they play you know get it off of the 99 and 2000 i'm no longer running out of the bathroom to you know <laughs> get it moving i'm now fully washing my hands and taking my time right so fair i'm enough. just fully <laughs> i have fully aged out of that of that of that phase of my life but you know yeah, so so that that's the thing that will fully earn me well deserved slander. I accept it. Um, I have gotten it before. Um, you know, my home, my good home girl who is from New Orleans, who will probably hear this, is going to text me threatening violence. But uh, yeah, well, that, that's my thing. That's fine. She gonna let that chopper spray in the parlance of New Orleans. <laughs> that's all good. But the good thing about our black fashions is that we we usually follow it up with a black recommendation, which is an opportunity to redeem yourself. By sharing something about black culture that that you you like, that you like to, to to share going forward, the pay it forward part of this. So a black recommendation for all those who are just now listening is a, a recommendation about something black and something yes. black culturally for by about it's diaspora, whatever it is. It's just something that that pays for that blackness. So, Shamir, what is your black recommendation for the people you have just insulted with your uh, musical take about juveniles? Ha. Well, I'm definitely not going to recommend anything New Orleans related because <laughs> I will not violate those streets. Um, but um, I did recommend um, a, a bad brand. I know a lot of people are fans of Telfar. Um, mm-hmm. And for folks who are fans of Telfar, please feel free to continue consuming the brand, of course. Um, but uh, I am also just choosing to recommend a, a different brand um, just for people who want to continue, you know, finding other ways to support black businesses. Um, mine is a brand called Anima Iris. It is another black owned brand by two black women, um, fully sourced uh, by a, a black uh, kind of full black uh, supply chain. So they, uh, their workers are in Senegal. Um, they locally source oh. the leather. Um, they fairly, fairly price their wages of their laborers. Well, thank you for being here. Where can people course, find your thoughts opinions critiques twitter is underscore sham god s-h-a-m-g-o-d um and you'll find me rambling about plenty of things on there um and uh on instagram sometimes i'll post uh some of the things that i'd be writing um so you can also check there um and which is shamira the first well look we appreciate having you here your insights like you literally hit all the points that i was going to try to hit in one way or the other because that's that's why I wanted you to be here to talk Kendrick Lamar's yeah. album. Like, 
Well, you're one of the of first course. people I hit up about the album when I listened to it. I think I might have waved like, yo, thoughts. Like I knew you were going to have some. Yeah. I knew they were going to be insightful. I knew they were going to be interesting. Right. Um, yeah, you were one of the first two. It was you and our homie Inca. So, you know, it was literally you two that we were arguing about. Yeah, there you go. So, mm-hmm. look, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for being on Dear Culture. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll have you on again at some point to talk some other things. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and to everybody who's listening, thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with everyone you know. Please email all questions, suggestions, compliments, hustles, schemes, finesses, all of that stuff. <laughs> Make sure you send it to podcast at thegrio.com. Uh, Dear Culture is an original production brought to you by the Grio Black Podcast Network. Our show is produced by myself, Panama Jackson, and Crystal Grant, and edited by Cameron Blackwell. Taji Sr. is our logistic associate producer, and Regina Griffin is our managing editor of podcasts. So as always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Shamira. Uh, Have a black one. Next week on Dear Culture, the blackest songs. This song was so black. When I remember seeing the video, I looked down and I had a dashiki on out of nowhere. And I was like, yo, any song that can force me into a dashiki out of nowhere, that's a super black song. (laughs) 